Galatians 2, 11, 12. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day, Lord. We thank you for uh, everyone that are here, all the new faces, Lord. Uh, God, I just pray that you be with us during the service. Help uh, Pastor uh, deliver his message, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to you and your word. Yeah, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Started a series last week on the topic of uh, insecurity. And I think uh, to an extent, in some form or fashion, it's something I think we all deal with, we all have to face. And um, this morning I want to talk about confronting insecurity. When I think of the word insecure, I want to kind of focus on that last part of the word, the cure. And, uh, you know, much of it is going to come back to our position in Christ, who he has made us to be, and really our understanding of that and resting in those truths. And what we're going to look at today, we're going we're to kind of focus in a little bit on Peter and one of his uh, key moments of displaying insecurity in his life. Now, when we think of Peter, we usually think of someone who's really bold, who's really, you know, man, he's the one that preached the, the sermon at Pentecost. He's the one that, you know, uh, with boldness faced the Sanhedrin. We will obey God rather than men. And uh, you think, insecurity is not really a word. You know, yeah, there were times we can kind of think through Peter's life, but, uh, but I think Peter, uh, much of his boldness sometimes was a mask to his insecurity. And I want to just kind of look at that a little bit uh, briefly this morning as we consider this. You know, uh, it, it says here, interesting passage, and it said, but when Peter came to Antioch, I, that's Paul, withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul got in uh, Peter's face <laughs> and said, you're wrong, Peter. You're, you're messed up in this area. And you know, sometimes insecurity needs to be confronted by people that have that kind of influence in our lives. You know, Paul here was being, a, uh, uh, being loving as he confronted Peter. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And that's exactly what, what Paul was exercising, that, that uh, opportunity, that position as a friend to lovingly rebuke somebody, somebody he cared for. He was a good friend, and Peter, I think, responded very well, and later he actually refers to Paul as a, his beloved brother. And, uh, and so I think that, 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 that friendship was, uh, uh, was preserved and, you know, uh, <clears throat> But P Peter, no doubt, was very thankful, I believe, for this godly friend, willing to point out these insecurities. Sometimes, sometimes we need to recognize our own insecurities. When they become apparent, when they've kind of shown up, and sometimes God will show us through a friend, sometimes God will show us through a response that somebody else had to our insecurity, sometimes God will show us from a message like this, when, when we just kind of focus in on it, we can definitely see uh, through the eyes, uh, through the lens of Scripture, we can see ourselves and many of the characters that we study in the Bible. I don't know if you've been there, but I've come across as I'm reading or uh, certain individuals or, or even what they were going through, and I'm like, man, I could see myself there. I could, I could see myself in his shoes. Maybe not the exact situation. You know, it's been a while since I was, uh, 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 you know, tempted to run from Nineveh. 
But I can see myself many, many ways in the, uh, in the life of Jonah. I can see the temptation that David faced, and I could, I could see the temptations of my own life, and I could, I could see these individuals and, and fear. I think about when David fought Goliath and, and uh, you know, the fear of, of, of this, 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 you know, facing this insurmountable uh, enemy that was causing an entire army to tremble before, and, and this young man believed God over this great fear. And, you know, we can see all the, a lot of these areas, and I think about Peter, and, and boy, I'd want to be a leader like Peter, but, but I can see in this circumstance how, boy, I, I, face, I face the same things. And, you know, sometimes we need to recognize our own insecurities. It says there that in verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood to his face because he was to be blamed. Why did Paul, uh, Paul get in Peter's face? It was really because he was insecure. And it led him to do some things because of insecurity. What was Peter's insecurity? What, uh, as we answer that question about Peter's insecurities, you know, what, what are our insecurities? I think we're going to see a lot in the life of Peter. I think when we highlight uh, uh, Peter's insecurities, we're going we're to see ourselves in many ways. What mask did Peter use to cover his insecurity? You know, we typically mask it in some way or another. There's, there's some way that we try to cover it, and, you know, these days there's a lot of talk about masks, always having to wear masks at, in places. And, and uh, you, know, you know what we do? We, we mask our own insecurities. We cover it somehow. And we try to maybe overcome, and uh, um, I think it was uh, Shakespeare uh, talked, you know, had, had mentioned, thou protestest too loudly. You know, when you're, you know, when you're struggling with something, you're always pointing it out in others, or you're always pointing it out somewhere else, or redirecting, or, or trying to overcompensate in some form or fashion. Those are all insecurities that we're trying to cover up. We're going to try to answer some of these questions, and we're going to look at how did the Lord deal with those insecurities by using Paul. And then having answered those questions, we're going to look at a few applications, and then we'll uh, be done this morning. But I want to, uh, I think this will be a help to us today, and uh, first of all, what was Peter's insecurity? Look at verse number 12. It says, For before, the, excuse me, before that, before he withstood Peter, uh, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. Uh, or be, be, before these, these came from James, or if you would, James was the pastor there of the church at Jerusalem, and there were some, some believers there that came from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was a predominantly Jewish congregation. And these Jewish brothers were coming over to, uh, to Antioch, and they saw Peter there, and, and it says this, that when they came, uh, uh, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew himself and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Uh, that's a phrase referring to the Jews. Peter was insecure, and here's, here's the issue, because he wanted to please people. That's the bottom line. He, he wanted people to be happy. He wanted to, to not offend anybody, and he, he wanted to please people. Um, you know, he, he, he wanted to make sure that those people that he, he worshipped with when he was over at Jerusalem, uh, uh, that, that, that they were okay with him as, as now he's over here at Antioch, and they worship a little bit different. They, 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 they have their, the Jews, they have the Gentiles, and they're kind of one body, and they understand some of these things, and the, they understand the liberty in Christ, and, and, uh, and you know, things are a little bit different than these, these Jewish believers that are coming from Jerusalem that, that don't really fully understand or maybe fully grasp this liberty 
And, and, and he's afraid of what they might think. And this insecurity comes out. And, you know, as, as we consider this, uh, Peter, he was no doubt was, was, was concerned what they're going to think about him as he sees him, a Jew, sitting down with these Gentiles eating. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, it was a very big deal. Remember, remember how upset the Pharisees got when they saw Jesus sitting down and eating with, with sinners? I mean, this is a big deal. This was one of those things like, you should know better. Because this is not a part of Jewish custom. This is not a part of the way that they laid it out or the way that they practice. And, you know, as we look at this, uh, just this concept of being a people pleaser, I want to ask the question, is that you? I'll be honest, it's me. It's me. Uh, I become very insecure uh, uh, about what people think about me when, when people criticize me. When people uh, 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 misunderstand my motives. That's a big one. By the way, I want people to like me. Don't act like I'm the only one here. I want people to like me. And by the way, I have a very unique job. Much of my job really does is part of people liking me. Think about it. If you're in sales, people come to you to buy your product, but, uh, but really, they're not there because of you. They're there, you know, to buy that product. And I hope we're all here for the Lord, but there, the, the reality is God, God speaks through personality, and sometimes people don't like my personality. And, uh, and, and you know, I hope we're all here to gather on the Word of God and things, but the, but the reality is uh, God gave to the church a pastor, and if you can't learn or you can't grow under a certain pastor, then, then, then it's tough. So then i got to balance out, well, I want to make sure I got people's attention. I want to make sure that I can influence them. But then I also got to make sure that I'm being true and handling the Word of God properly, and I'm not compromising the truth. In case, I'm not compromising the truth if people don't like what I'm saying. And I'm trying to balance this out of pleasing God and pleasing men and, and, and back and forth. I don't want to be a hireling. I'm doing it like for, for a job or for money, and, and, and that's what's going to end up happening if it's all about people being happy. But then again, I don't want to be overly just zealous and really even a jerk about it and run everybody off. So there's a natural insecurity just in my position. You see, there are insecurities that we deal with because who, who wakes up today and say, let's see if I can get some more people on my enemies list today. I don't have enough enemies. I could use a few more. Sometimes if we're not careful, that desire to please people will drive us even more than our desire to please the Lord. It's a terrible insecurity, and it's an insecurity that Peter had. My wife has a book. I've not read it yet, uh, but it's called When People Are Big and God is Small. I think that's the problem in our lives sometimes. We, we, we see people. As a very big thing. And we see God as a very small thing. And we need to flip that. <clears throat> What's interesting about the entire book of Galatians is it's written by a man who did not struggle with insecurity. 
In fact, in uh, chapter 1, verse number 10, Paul says something interesting. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I, speak, or do I seek to please men? If I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He starts the whole book out with this concept. Guys, I'm not here to make you happy. Because he's going to deal with, in fact, he deals probably more harshly with the Galatian believers than others. I mean, the tone of Galatians is, what's the matter with you? He even says it this way, because what happened was, he had established this church. Paul was the one that goes out and starts his church at Galatia. And he lays out down this foundation uh, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By grace through faith. Christ plus nothing, Christ minus nothing. It's the, simply the grace of God. And these Judaizers came in. They, they, these, were, these were ones that they said, yeah, Christ is good, but that's not enough. You need to make sure that you're still adhering to the law. You need to make sure you're still adhering to the Mosaic uh, uh, customs and, and so forth. And, and what they're doing is they're putting them back under the bondage of the law. And Paul's going to lay out a big case in the book of Galatians. And, 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 and uh, you know, they're adding all these works to it. And he says this to the church. Who has bewitched you? You know what he accused the church of? Being under a spell. That you should follow this, this other gospel, which is no gospel. He basically says there's two gospels. One's true and one's false. And guess what? They both include the name Jesus. Well, we've got to be so careful today. You know, there are cults today that use the name Jesus. We've got to be so careful. What are you believing? But it's written by a guy who's, who's, who he lays it out at the very beginning. Guys, I've got two choices, obey God or, or please men. And if I'm aiming to please men, I will not be the servant of Christ. And so with that backdrop, I want to share with you what was given to me. And, and he goes on and he talks about this was not, you know, he went to Jerusalem. He met all the big name apostles. But he said, I didn't get my information from them. What was given to me was direct revelation from God himself. And I wasn't swayed by any of this stuff. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What confidence and what boldness. There were people that did not like Paul. Believers that did not like Paul. Philippians, he lays that out in the book of Philippians. He says some people were preaching for the whole, sole purpose of adding to his bonds. I'm going to get at Paul by my preaching. <laughs> and he had an amazing attitude. He said, I'm just glad the gospel's being preached. See, you weren't going to sway him. He, he was one that I believe was truly dead to self. If there's anyone that we could say did not deal with insecurity, I, I'd say Paul is probably the only one. I'm sure he had him in different other forms, but, uh, but I'll tell you what, the boldness that he had, he wasn't afraid about getting stoned or beaten or... He said, in fact, that's a sign that he's in God's will as far as he was concerned. <laughs> I mean, he was a different character. But it's written by a man who did not deal with insecurity. And, you know, as, as Paul sees Peter here, he, the point of what was going on with the, with the Judaizers and trying to come back to the law and come back to the separation of the Gentiles and come back to all these things, he's laying out, this is not the gospel. 
this is not the truth. And, and, and what, what they were doing is they were adding to the gospel. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And they're saying, well, no, 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 Jesus plus the Sabbath keeping and Jesus plus the circumcision and Jesus plus the, 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 the different, you know, you can go on and on with all the laws. In fact, the Pharisees, by the time you come to the first century, they'd put so much uh, together in these ways of rules and regulations. And, and, uh, and they're saying, this is all, you need all this, is what they were saying. By the way, that's a big part of repentance towards Jesus Christ is letting go of all that religion, turning from all that and trusting in Jesus Christ alone. See, Paul was not trying to make them like him. In fact, most of them, many of them didn't like him. Some of them even doubted his apostleship. But Paul was saying, I'm not here to make you like me. I'm here to preach the gospel, which God gave me by direct revelation. He was not a people pleaser and Chapters 1 and 2, he, he kind of lays that out. He, he, he didn't get it from others, and he wasn't persuaded by them. He got it from God. In chapter 3 and 4, he kind of lays out the error of, of trusting the law or trusting works for salvation. And then chapters 5 and 6, he lays out uh, how holiness is achievable, not by you, but by Christ in you, and, and, uh, and how God, uh, God, uh, grace could do what the law never could do and carrying us to that position in Christ. So Paul confronts Peter, not because, he, uh, uh, not because Peter did not believe this, but because he was acting in such a way which was inconsistent with what he knew to be right. That's the problem. It was actually giving rise to this false doctrine. Here, when those, when those uh, believers from Jerusalem were not there, they say, the week before, Guess what? He was, they had a unified church. They had Jews, they had Gentiles. They were eating together. They were worshiping together. They had this going on. And, and, and yes, there was the battling in the background of this Judaizer philosophy. And, and then these Jews come from Jerusalem and they show up. And what does Peter do? He separates himself. And now there's going to be confusion in the church. Now there's going to be, wait a minute, what, what about those sermons you've been preaching, Peter? Seeing Peter's insecurity is Peter was a people pleaser. He wanted them to like him, and wanting people to like him was something that he was willing to compromise truth for. That's really where it becomes a problem. Hey, I want people to like me, but I'm not willing to compromise truth. That's really where it gets tough. That's really where it's heartbreaking, because you can only go so far. But there are certain lines that this book will not let me cross. That the Spirit of God will not let me cross. They're called convictions. I can't cross those lines. You know, today one of the big cries of churches is let's, let's set aside all those divisive doctrines Let's, let's, not, let's not talk about anything that would cause any kind of division because, after all, unity is more important. That's what Peter was thinking. But it's actually, the end result is actually going to be disunity, as we're going to look at in a minute. But you know what really unifies us? It, it, it's really a false unity when we say we're going to set aside everything that divides us. We're just not going to talk about it. We're not going to look at it. It becomes this surface-level, superficial unity and says, after all, we're all we all love Jesus, Right? 
And, uh, and that's wonderful. That's a good starting place. But let me just say, this book goes a lot deeper. What does the Bible say? And, and, and the, as soon as we start diving in, and I think about the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, and how many times over and over is emphasized doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. What's doctrine? That's the teachings of the Word of God. And when we are in agreement on those things, guess what? We have unity. When we are in disagreement, we have disunity. So we have this false doctrine that is rising of work salvation and uh, uh, in the name of Jesus. And then we have over here this, this doctrine of this, uh, salvation by grace alone. And, uh, and, and, and we, we are settled in it, but then, then, then there's this kind of confusion that comes along because they drew a line and they're drawing a line. And, and at some point, you've got to pick a side. Can I help you in life? You will not please everybody. I'm sorry, you won't. This was his insecurity, Peter's insecurity. And if we're honest, I think it exists a little bit in all of us. He was afraid of what others might think. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. By the way, the answer to insecurity is always run to God. Fear of man bringeth a snare, but those that put their trust in the Lord will be safe. And that, that, that was the issue with Timothy we looked at last week. Don't have the spirit of fear. God's not giving that to us but rather of power and of love and of sound mind. Run to the Lord. Run to what He has put in you. So we see what his insecurity was. Uh, uh, what mask did Peter wear to cover his insecurity? When the group arrived from James, when that group arrived there from Jerusalem, Peter uh, didn't take him aside and say, hey guys, I just want you to know I'm, I'm kind of struggling with his insecurity right now. And so I'm just going to eat with you guys uh, for now because I'm, I'm insecure about this. He didn't, he didn't say that. You see, usually we're, we're, we're not the ones that are going to come out and just say, here's, here's my weakness, here's how I'm struggling. Bear with me. Show me grace. Look at verse number 12. For before this certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. See, Peter had no trouble understanding the gospel. He had no trouble understanding the Jewish-Gentile body. Peter understood it. His theology was spot on. Before this group came, he was more than happy to celebrate the Lord's Supper together and to, to have the agape face together. And I'll explain all that in a minute. And to spend time fellowshipping. He, he, got, he got over that long ago with Cornelius in Acts 10 or so. But then when this group came, he drew himself. He, what was the mask that he wore? It was a mask of inflated spirituality. As seen in his separation. I'm withdrawing myself. I'm separating myself. I'm better. I'm not like them. I'm not like these Gentiles. By the way, how did Jews view Gentiles? Dogs. Dogs. That's how they viewed them. And, and the gospel of, of Christ is a great unifier. In fact, it's amazing. You know, church is like the only place you can go to where where you can have, you know, rich and poor and, and nationalities and just every kind of ways that our society tries to divide and put into groups. 
the great unifier, what brings us all together. I'll tell you what, outside of church, there are a lot of things that, that, that we probably would not cross paths over. But Christ is a great unifier. Uh, uh, there's a man that started a church over there in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, he's right there on Pennsylvania Avenue, and uh, he's, he's in the, the thick of it. And uh, uh, he, he said that one Sunday he had the head of NASA and a homeless man in the same church service. Where else are you going to see that brought together? It's one of the beauties of the gospel. By the way, you know all this unrest that's going on in America right now? This Black Lives Matter and all these different riots and protests and all this kind of stuff. You know what fixes all that? The gospel. You know what the gospel has already said? Red, yellow, black, and white, all are precious in his sight. That's what the gospel declares. You know, society puts labels and society separates and society does all these things, but, but Christ says, wait, wait, they're all, they're all made in my image and I've died for them all. That's what it says. Somebody messed with my iPad, now I've got to find where I was. There we are. So, so what happened was, before this group came, again, he had no, no problem. But as soon as they came, he withdrew, and, and uh, this mask of this super-inflated spirituality, yeah, you see the mask, how he inflated it? Like, I am super spiritual. I'm not going to be sitting with them. I'm not, I'm going, because I'm a Jew. And I don't touch things that are unclean. I don't fellowship with things that are unclean. They're dogs. Rather than dealing with the uncomfortable issue by appealing to the truth of the gospel, Peter practiced avoidance. You see, what Peter ought to have done is say, hey guys, I know you're probably misunderstanding why I'm eating with the Gentiles, but, uh, but can we sit down together and can I just show you some things from the scriptures? Can I show you from the word of God? Can I teach you some things? I know this goes against what you've been thinking. I know it goes against tradition, but bear with me. He should have allowed the truth to handle the situation. And, and by the way, he'd already done that before. He knew better. And remember when Peter was called by God to go to Cornelius? I mentioned him a minute ago in, in chapter 10. Here's Cornelius, a Gentile. And the Bible says that Cornelius, he feared God. He gave alms and he prayed regularly. A lost man, a Gentile man. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says that God has heard your prayers. I love when people say God doesn't hear the prayers of a lost person. God heard Cornelius' prayer as a lost person. All right. Now, God may not be obligated like he is to his own children, but he hears your prayers. Teach your children to pray before they get saved. You got to. He says, I heard your prayers, and he says, go, uh, uh, go send for a man named Peter. He tells him where he's going to find him and so forth. Meanwhile, Peter... He's sitting there, and, uh, and the Bible says that he's in a trance, okay? Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, there were a lot of unusual things that took place in the book of Acts that does not become the standard or the norm, okay? So don't go looking for a vision. Don't go putting yourself in a trance and all this kind of stuff, okay? But God communicates to him and tells him, uh, an apostle, by the way, who God gave divine revelation to, and he, and he said, uh, he said, and I saw this, this sheet come down from heaven with all manner of unclean animals on it. And God said, take and eat, or take, kill and eat. 
And he says, not so, Lord. My lips have never touched anything that's unclean. And, and God tells him, you know, what I've cleaned, don't call unclean, and so forth. And God uses this divine illustration to tell him that I'm going to the Gentiles. Next thing you know, some guys are knocking on his door and says, Cornelius has, has sent us to you to come to him. And, and he thought, wow, this must be a mission from God. And so he takes six others with him, and they go, and they go to Cornelius. And what happens? Cornelius and his household, they hear the gospel. They receive it. They get full of the Holy Ghost. They get baptized. And it blew him away. And, and he, he says the statement that, that he realizes that God is no respecter of persons for salvation has come to the Gentiles. So he goes back. He goes back to, uh, to uh, um, uh, Jerusalem there. And in fact, I'm going to kind of read it to you. <clears throat> Basically, by the time he gets back, word had already arrived. Hey, now, Peter, we heard you went with... Uh, you went to a Gentile's house, and you ate with them. It's funny how they're always bringing up the eating with them. And, uh, and Peter's kind of like, hold on, guys, let me explain to you what happened. In, um, in Acts 11, get there, it says, And when the apostles and brethren that were at Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God, and when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they drew, uh, they were, which were of the circumcision, the, the Jews, contended with him. They were willing to argue with him, saying, Thou wentest to men of uncircumcised, and did eat with them. And Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, and he kind of lays out everything he was doing when, when God gave him the vision, and he goes and, and uh, argues with them, not so, Lord, and, and on and on. And then it says, uh, um, let's see where I wanted to jump back in. Um, Verse 17, as he tells them, for, for as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that was I, and I, I could, uh, that I could withstand, or what was I rather, that I could withstand God. And he said, in other words, he was saying, who am I to question God if God did this thing? Verse 18, and he says, and they, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God. They didn't have any more to argue. And they glorified God, saying that God had also, uh, God hath, excuse me, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You see, Peter had already had this argument. Peter had already laid out this discussion with them on what God had done before. Why is this different? You see, insecurities, here's what tends to happen, they keep popping up in life. You think you got a hold on it, you think you got it handled, then another circumstance comes along the way, another, another uh, angle, so to speak, and it pops up yet again. There's that insecurity. You see, P Peter had his prejudices. He grew up with them. He had his Jewish habits growing up, and listen, old habits die hard. He already had learned these lessons, but he, uh, you know, he went back to the school of insecurity. <laughs> Here we are again. You should have just allowed the truth to be the truth. You know, something interesting about truth. Truth does not need your help. Truth does not really even need defending. Truth just needs proclaiming. And Peter had the truth, and he had the revelation of God, and he had, uh, you know, God had obviously done this work at this church that, and by the way, he had, he had Paul's approval of this church. Paul started it. 
He had, he had all these things in place. He could have stood boldly and, and just expressed and shared with them. Instead, he withdrew himself, separated himself. He knew better. What he ought to have done is embraced it and sought unity. And You see, embrace and unify. That's what he should have done. Hey, guys, come join us. Now, you might have some questions. Let me explain what we've been doing here as a church and what God has revealed to us. You see? By the way, that happens from time to time. In the book of Acts, there was a powerful preacher by the name of Apollos. And he was very eloquent, and he preached, but he was lacking some things concerning Jesus. So there was this godly couple, Aquila and Priscilla. They show up from time to time. And they brought Apollos under their house, and they taught him more perfectly the ways of God, the Bible says. You know what he did? He received it. And he went on and became an even more powerful preacher. You know what he didn't do? Who are you to question me? I'm the man of God. He humbly listened to this godly couple, who was not a preacher, by the way. And, uh, and he saw the scriptures. He let the truth prevail rather than his own opinions and his own insecurities. You know what insecurity tends to do? It tends to find others with the same insecurity and then call them all together and they judge everyone else with the same insecurity. These Jewish believers come along and he's like, oh, I'm not with them. Those, those guys, look at them eating those meats and doing things Gentiles do. Dogs. I don't know if he had a bad attitude about it or not, but he clearly, clearly made a statement by, the, by what he had done. You know, we see that many times even in churches. You know, it's funny. Our, our churches are kind of like Baskin-Robbins. All Baskin-Robbins deal with ice cream. By the way, have you ever been to a Baskin-Robbins that actually had 31 choices? You should all go and there's like a dozen. Like, Where's the 31? Come on. Here's what churches do, right? Well, we emphasize chocolate. Oh, yeah? We emphasize strawberry. And you're missing the whole thing. It's all ice cream. It's all good. And, and if you have a problem with my preference, what's the matter with you? We need to be careful. We talked about this uh, several Sunday nights ago about precepts, principles, and preferences. We need to be careful where we draw lines. We're the church of the red hymnal. You guys with your blue hymnals. Or no hymnal at all. I heard they put the words on the screen down at that church. Crazy. Here's Peter dealing with his insecurity by masking it. and People who weren't even insecure in the first place. They were there with him. Oh, I didn't even know this was an issue. Notice what it says in verse number 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. The other Jews that were sitting down with Peter, who are in this Jewish Gentile church, Peter gets up and they're like, oh, I, I didn't know there was a problem here. What did he do? He dissembled, they dissembled with him. They left the assembly, so to speak, with him when these other Jews showed up. Weird. As Peter, of course, was the one that received the vision, he, he, was, 
He was the, by the way, he was the one, again, that sat with Jesus. He was there when those Pharisees were like, who is this guy who think he is? He's eating with publicans and sinners. And no doubt Peter was sitting there too. Like, yeah, this is weird, isn't it? This is different. There's a, uh, there's a series out there. I, I think we played, uh, Christmas, we played the, the Shepherd video. There's a series out there called The Chosen that they're doing on the life of Christ from different perspectives of the disciples and so forth. And there's a phrase in there where Jesus says, uh, as they kind of said to him, this is different. And Jesus says, get used to different. That's kind of what Jesus does, doesn't he? Get used to different. Because he breaks the religious mold. He breaks the normalities. He kind of, he changes the way we view things. And by the way, when someone really gets saved, guess what? Get used to different. Because some things are going to start changing. Your life's going to be upside down. Peter already learned some of these things. And by the way, Peter had already played the game also that it's kind of impossible to please two people. No man can serve two masters. In one moment, both happened the same night. In one moment, he stands up and says, Jesus, I will never betray you. I'll never deny you. I will die before I deny you. Cut, scene two. No, I don't know him. You must have me mistaken with someone else. Guess what? He didn't impress them, and he didn't impress Jesus. Okay? He learned you can't please both. But you know what happens? Sometimes we have to keep going through the same, taking the same test over and over again until we pass. Here Peter's taking the same test again. He had already learned this doesn't work. So why was he insecure? He wanted everyone to like him. He was a people pleaser. What mask did he wear? The mask of hyper-separation. The mask of I'm, I'm better than. And then what did his insecurity do? Kind of started touching on it a little bit. Verse 13, and the other Jews dissembled like, likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. The Jews uh, that were already there in Antioch with him, uh, they, they'd been a part of that church. They understood that Jews and Gentiles are one body. They've heard the sermons. They're settled with it. They look at the Gentiles and they say, we're brothers. We're brothers. You see, by the way, I've always had a problem with this, you know, Black church, white church, all, all this kind of stuff. You know, you, you know, the only time you should really segregate a church is because of language barriers. You know, I've seen Spanish churches. Well, that makes sense because I don't speak Spanish. But I've never understood, you know, Korean churches that are speaking English, black churches that are speaking. Why, why are you segregating? I thought we're one body. That never made sense to me. And, uh, and, and, you know, they, they had this settled. They understood, hey, we're, we're one in Christ. And the book of Galatians addresses that. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male or free, female, in the body of Christ, in the person of Christ. So what did the insecurity do? It influenced other people. And let me just say, your insecurities are going to influence the people that you have leadership over. Here's what happened. Others who did not have this deep level of insecurity are now insecurely following the one who insecurely led. Those that did not have a level, the level of insecurity, they did not have an insecurity about this, are now insecurely following as Peter gets up and says, oh, they're like, uh, are we supposed to go? And now they're insecurely following this leader who's insecure. I think we're supposed to go with him. Such is the power of influence, you know. 
By the way, the same thing happened in John 21 with Peter. Discouraged, Jesus was crucified. I'm going fishing. The others, uh, we'll go with you. Because Peter was a natural leader. He was the spokesperson many times. They, many of them would just kind of listen, and they, they let him take the lead. And, and now he's discouraged, doesn't know what to do. He denied Christ. He figured he was done. He has washed up already as a preacher. And, uh, and then he's like, well, I guess I'll go back to what I know. I'm going fishing. And they're like, I guess we'll go too. I guess this whole experiment failed. These three and a half years were for nothing. And they went back. An influencer who's insecure will lead others to be insecure. The irony is that the most insecure of all was the one who seemed to be the most confident leader. He, he was bold and, uh, you know, and by the way, I've been guilty of this before. I've been guilty of this many times. And, uh, but especially when I was just starting the ministry, and, and, and I want to say, I, I, I think I looked to some wrong people along the way at times. Because I thought leadership was control. You're going to be a frustrated preacher. Try to control everybody. Everybody get in line. Get in step. Wear this. Listen to this. Watch this. And I'm not understanding, really, even the liberty in Christ. Now, there are clear principles, and I'll, boy, I'll, I'll preach those principles all day long, but let me just say, you've got to make a decision. You've got to learn to walk with God for yourself. I remember one time we had a, um, a, uh, a singing group from a college, a Bible college, come through. And I was so nervous because, oh, what if they... What if they see this new family that's coming and, and the way they're dressing? And what if, what if one of these, you know, I, I had started a church in pretty a rough area in Southern California and kind of a low income, just, just rough area. And uh, oh, what if they hear one of our church members cussing? <laughs> you know, the deacons. Uh, <laughs> joke. It's a joke. But I was so worried about this. Um, anyways, his insecurities influenced other people. His insecurity harmed other people. It actually harmed them. It, it hurt their growth. Peter's, uh, Peter's strong move in withdrawing, you know, I'm taking a stand. Yeah, but Peter, last week, Here's where I'm taking my stand. I'm not eating with those Gentiles. And, and what are they doing? By the way, who are those Gentiles? They're a part of the church he was in. All right. I'm going to have to ask all Gentiles, you guys sit over here. And Jews, why don't you guys sit over here? And why don't we go to have our Samaritans sit right here, the half and halves. All right, let's, let's spread this thing out. And, and, and they're segregating, and they're doing this stuff. And Peter withstands him to the face, or Paul withstands him to the face about it. You know, it's funny. I, I've heard people criticize music in church. They, they played this one song for a special. But then they go into their car, and they'll play pretty much anything that is acceptable in there. I'm like... You see? And, and, but that's what we do. I'm taking my stand here. Well, that's funny, because I thought, didn't you? 
And that's exactly what, what Peter did. Here's, uh, here's Peter's in, uh, insecurely, uh, insecurely leading. Uh, you know, he, he harmed the church. First of all, truth was compromised in this church. Paul was saying, Peter, you're, se you're sending the opposite message. We're, we're preaching the message of grace and liberty. And now, <clears throat> now, now what you've practiced, you're, 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 you're confusing this message. This is the exact opposite message. Uh, you're siding with the legalists here. They fell into that trap. And here's what happens. It confuses the gospel message. By the way, across Christianity today, you think the thing that should be the core, the central thing, the most clear, concise, definable thing. You know what is the most confusing thing today? The gospel. You go to your average church, hey, what's the gospel? What, what's the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can someone be saved? You'll be amazed how many versions. But Paul makes it very clear in the book of Galatians, there's only one gospel. But there are a lot of other gospels that are no gospels at all. I'd say a lot of this is going to go back to what we're talking about, and what does it do? It distorts the gospel message. It confuses the gospel message. So truth is compromised. Growth is stifled. You've got the Gentiles on one side feeling left out, uh, feeling like lesser-class citizens. You've got the Jews on the other side. We're better than you guys. A holier-than-thou. Relationships are jeopardized. Barnabas is in here. His name is included. You know who Barnabas was? Barnabas is the first one to receive Paul when no one else wanted to. The name Barnabas means son of consolation. You know what his job was? His spiritual gift, if you would? He was an encourager. Now, guess what? There's half a church now that he's not encouraging because he disassembled with them. There's a whole group missing the encouragement of the great Barnabas. Thanks a lot, Paul, uh, Peter. Relationships are jeopardized now. Church unity was disrupted. Many Bible scholars believe the, the meal that is referring to here is the agape feast. Jude talks about it. The love feast, agape feast. And what it was, was it was, uh, well, it was their potluck. <laughs> and they'd come together and they would have, uh, uh, you know, the rich and poor and, you know, different people come together. This was the issue that Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians 11. It was, it was part of it. He's saying he, uh, the poor people, they weren't led neat. And they're making this big deal about it. And he's finally like, don't you guys have homes to eat in? And what the tradition was, the custom was, is you'd have your agape feast. And after the agape feast, you'd have the Lord's Supper proper. So they'd have this wonderful fellowship, the word agape. Anybody know what agape means? Love. It's really the highest love. It's that unconditional love, the way that God loves us, the way that God wants to love people through us. Agape, 1 Corinthians 13. So what they do is they come together and they love. By the way, when we start up our potlucks again, we should call it our agape feast. Let's just get biblical about this thing. Because that's what they did. All good Christians throughout history have loved potlucks. There we go. Now you're awake. And, and, and what's happening is there's now disunity. There's great unity. By the way, I love, I love our potlucks because, you know, we, we, it's, it's so cool. I look around and I'm like, 
oh, good, that family and that family, they're getting to know each other. And that family, they're getting to know And people are kind of making their rounds. And, and I'll tell you what, our Sunday evenings when we do these potlucks, we, uh, there's, a, there's a unity that starts to take place. We get to really know people. I'll tell you what, when you come together and you sit here and listen to me ramble for an hour, you don't get to know each other. Now, you get edified by the preaching the Bible. The Bible mentions that, the preaching, God elevates it, and that's where we're edified and instructed in the Word and so forth. But, but then we all kind of go our separate ways, and nobody knows each other. And that's how most churches are. They don't know each other. It's not a family. And I think God desires us to really be close and to have unity. I loved our family camp that we had a few weeks back. Why? Because that's really who we are. We're a family. And, 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 and that's what this was about. And so all of a sudden, we're going to start saying, wait a minute. Let's do it this way, okay? Everyone who's a true Alaskan, born and raised, you guys are over here. And you're better than everybody else. And everybody that migrated to Alaska, they're going to be over here. And guess what? My own family is now divided. My wife and my youngest are going to be over there. And me and the rest are going to be over here. It's just as much nonsense as what's going on here. You laugh and you chuckle, but that's exactly what they were doing. Jews and Gentiles. So church unity is now disrupted. Here's a meal that was supposed to express unity and have Christ uh, uh, as an expression of their love, and it actually turned into disunity. So we see what was Peter's insecurity. I want everyone to like me. How did he mask it? I'm, I'm better than them. Uh, what did he do? He influenced other people. And how did Paul deal with it? Well, he saw it for what it was. He saw the insecurity in it, and he, and he confronted Peter directly. Here's how he dealt with Peter. He dealt with it immediately. No, no He's not going to allow the insecurity to exist just, just a linger. By the way, I want to say this. That's how we ought to deal with insecurity. When we see it, when we recognize it, we say, whoa, that caused me to make these decisions. That caused me to go so far. We ought to say, time out. I need to fix this thing. We ought to deal with it. He dealt with it immediately. And, and let me just say that the more, the more you allow that thing to go on, the stronger it becomes. And the more you, 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 you give in to your insecurity, the more you're going to start justifying it. Well, you don't understand... You don't, you don't understand, this is how I was raised, or this is my background, or this, is this that, and the other thing, and, and we start justifying it. Secondly, he dealt with it severely. He got right up in Peter's face. He wasn't subtle about it. He wasn't like, Peter, can you, come here, Peter. Come here, I'm going to talk to you. No, he, no, it's impacting others. Others dis, dissembled with him, and so he said, hey, Peter, everyone quiet. Peter, you're wrong. Can you imagine him being there? I have a feeling that people are like afraid when Paul would come visit. Remember, remember 1 Corinthians? In chapter 11, he gives this whole thing about them messing up their feast and messing up the Lord's table, and there's disunity, all this kind of stuff. And then he says the last verse, and the rest will sit in order when I come. He's not even done? <laughs> I mean, that's what Paul... Peter, you are wrong. And indirectly, Barnabas, you were wrong. Other Jews that got up from the table, you guys are wrong. You know that's not the gospel. You know that's not how you lived. He dealt with it publicly. Why? Because it impacted publicly. He dealt with it biblically. 
You're going to find in the next several verses to the end of the chapter, he gives a biblical reason for the correction. And by the way, I want to say this. If you don't have a biblical reason, you don't have a correction. Now we're getting into opinion territory again. So he goes on, and uh, I'm just going to read something real quick. Verse 15, Who are the Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, uh, that we might be justified by faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, or by the works of the law, or, excuse me, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And he's addressing that issue again of the Judaizers and the law and the Jews and Gentiles and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but if, we, uh, if, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are, are, are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. But if I build again the things which I de uh, destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Here, here the, the, the law and the liberty, he kind of, he put that aside. And if he goes back to that, he says, you're making yourself a transgressor for falling right back into it. And, and um, for, though, uh, for through the law, I am dead to the law, uh, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in an eye, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. And this was his explanation on why he withstood Peter to the face. Now praise the Lord for Peter's response. I believe he responded well. Because when someone's more concerned with the truth than the gospel, uh, the truth and the gospel, than about pleasing people. Peter received the truth. He took it in, and he was more concerned with that. So you say, so what does that have to do with me? I eat with Gentiles. I am a Gentile. And I eat with Jews. I've got no problem eating with Jews. What does this have to do with me? Let me just say you three, three points of application, and we'll be done. First of all, be, be convinced in who you are and what you believe. This is why it's so important to have an individual, dynamic, authentic walk with God for yourself. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Go to the Word of God. Now, you know, this is always the wrong answer. Well, my church believes. My pastor said. Now, if you don't know something, you ask a question, that, you know, and, you know, I'll give you the short answer. If you want the long answer, sit down. We'll open up the Bible and we'll go through and give you the long answer. But, uh, but you need to come to the place in your growth and your walk with God that you not only know what you believe, but why you believe. You know, that is why we're losing our young people. That is one of the key points. Because all they're given is a list of do this, don't do this, do this, and don't do this. And, and there's no heart behind it. There's no why. There's no word of God. There's no foundation of truth. Well, my parents say I'm supposed to... What does God say? Get in the Word of God. That's, again, what, what Paul pointed out with Timothy. Secondly, uh, so first of all, be convinced in who you are and what you believe. Secondly, determine to be consistent no matter where you are. You know, too often we're game players. I'm one thing at home. I'm another thing at the workplace. I'm another thing at church. Peter wanted to be one thing with the Gentiles and a completely different thing with the Jews. Two-faced. You know, that's confusing, and what it does is it weakens the gospel message. You know, that's the danger sometimes with social media. We can create uh, personas that are not us. By the way, don't get jealous uh, from things you see on Facebook. 
Nobody posts pictures of bad days. I was actually, uh, went on Facebook this morning and I went to the memories and there were like two memories of all these years of being on Facebook and I was like, I must have had some bad days on this day. Because <laughs> I didn't post anything, you know. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody catalogs pictures in their photo albums of bad days. You see? And we be careful but determined to be consistent no matter where you are. And then understand the importance of your influence. Parents who believe one way and act another way at home are doing great damage to their children. You see, kids will take on your insecurities. And you can put on an act and you kind of put on, you know, well, this is how I'm supposed to behave and this is what's acceptable when I'm here. And, and here's what starts to happen. They can know how, they learn how to emulate that. But eventually they will start to resent that. It wasn't real. So they never buy in. Be honest with your family. Be honest. Deal with it. But let me just say, let truth prevail. Hey, we're still growing in grace. God's still working on me. I really wish God allowed me to become a perfect Christian before I started raising kids. Man, I wish that. I didn't become a perfect Christian until my second child was born. <laughs> you know, the moment we think we arrive, there's something that's going to come along and humble us. A third child. <clears throat> Someone's going to come along and humble us. Hey, Peter, maybe you don't have it all together yet. You know, I love that. Here's the Apostle Peter who wrote Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, leader in the church, a pillar, a foundation, that Jesus says uh, that the foundation is the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself, himself is the cornerstone. They're part of the very foundation, given us church doctrine that we still practice these 2,000 years later, and guess what? Peter struggled with insecurity. Isn't that encouraging? I'll tell you what, it's very encouraging for me. You mean God can use me before I'm perfect? Can I tell you he has no other choice? Because if you wait till you're perfect, he doesn't need you anymore because you're going to be in heaven and he's the pastor. He's the leader. And so this encourages me because there's a kid's song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And that's true for all of us. And so why don't we just do this? Let's quit the act. Let's humble ourselves before a holy God. Say, God, would you work on me? Would you help me in this? Hey, let's avoid the trap of being people pleasers. For if I yet please man, I am not a servant of Christ. That's really where it comes down to. Let's be consistent. Let's know what we believe, why we believe it. I'll tell you what, there is a great boldness and a great confidence that comes in just simply knowing God. You know, when I start struggling and I start getting really insecure, I've not been walking with God like I should. That's really when it shows up. It's amazing. You know, we sang the song this morning, Complete in Thee. If you just rest in that thought, that I am complete, I am accepted in Him. I don't need to put on for anybody. 
He's working on me. Oh, we have a word of prayer. Our